0: Hi I'm Kate and I'm Mandy and this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and the sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious and this is episode 85 uh, and today we're delighted to be joined by Sherry Hampton from uh, Served Up Sober and Served Up Sober is, um, well i let Sherry kind of introduce herself in a moment but just to kind of give context um this is one of my um little Shiro moments because I had a little bit of a girl crush on Shari for quite a long time and um I kind of well I've talked about it so if you've listened to the podcast all the way through when I went to She Recovers in LA, which was a whole amazing kind of experience. But I got very, very overexcited when I met Sherry for the first time because um, just when I was sort of coming back to sobriety on Instagram, just her little videos helped me so much and just she's extremely articulate and just has a really great kind of no bullshit way of talking about things which I just really really loved so I'm really excited and um, yeah and I've obviously kind of told Kate all about um, Served and kind of what you do and a little bit about your story but um, I'm really really happy to kind of introduce you to the British uh, public but I mean we're half half actually our listeners are kind of half in the US half in the UK so if you don't no, Shari, I'm I'm really sort of um, yeah, excited to share her and her
1: story with you. So hi Shari, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm you know, I remember that that moment well. <laughs> I was I was delighted actually just to be um, to have a to have some a, a friendly face and someone that was happy to see me. I was really feeling awkwardly shy as she recovers, believe it or not. So you really made me feel welcome and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited
0: to be here in oh. a little bit so it's great. <laughs> I have to say that I did like email you after just like you know terribly British like I'm so sorry
1: no it was good, <laughs> it was good. <laughs>
0: um so yeah so you're in San Diego right so it's 11 in the morning you said what's um yeah, what's 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 going on for you at the moment?
1: You know, it's it's beautiful here as always. We we usually have like a little marine layer that that burns off by around this time, so it's blue skies, probably seventy eight degrees outside, and um, mm. I'm just just sitting in my my kitchen looking at a jigsaw puzzle and and just in getting ready to enjoy this conversation. So it's a great day here. Oh,
2: excellent. When you said jigsaw, because Mandy's really into jigsaws at the moment, I was
1: like, that's <laughs>
2: another thing they've got in common. They both do jigsaws.
1: <laughs> right. I know I did a little. <laughs> I have a thousand piece puzzle here. Um, it's the history of hairdos from 1870 to 1990. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's all these different faces with different hairdos. And we, we've been working on it since COVID hit. Um, so we're not done with it. We take our time with it. Maybe don't hit it for a week or so, and then we jump right in ferociously after dinner sometimes. But we still got
0: it's yeah. like about
1: 300 pieces left to put together.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's something that I discovered. Like, my husband came back one moment um, in COVID and was like with a puzzle, and I was like, interesting. <laughs> but you know, I mean, we were like within the house with the kids for two months, you know, we weren't really allowed outside. Um, and it was 1,500 piece of, uh, Notre Dame in Paris. And, um, and yeah, and I just, it was something that discovered flow. Like I just lost time. I really just kind of got into it and it was a really kind of nice, mindful moment for me. And I was like, shit, like <laughs> this is something for my sober toolkit. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I didn't sort of, and yeah, I really, I do really enjoy it. So, um, and Kate, how are you doing? Um,
2: yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I um. Well, we've had quite a lazy day, haven't we today? Because we were supposed to work, and then we were. Mandy was like, oh, "I've got a, I've got a migraine and a headache," and I was like, oh, I feel shit." <laughs> so we were just like, "Okay, okay, let's just stop now." And yeah, I, and I think we've, I think we're. Like again, I don't know if it's it's just all the stuff that's going on. The, COVID like I said to man today there's part of me that's like when when I go back to school after the school holidays like I've always had this thing about when you meet the mums at the school gates I'm always like oh thank god they've gone back to school I'm like literally can put myself back together and then you go oh how are you doing and everyone goes oh, I've just had such a lovely summer and I'm so, so sad they're going back. And isn't it just precious? And I'm like biting my lip going, no, I'm just like, thank Christ they're going back. Um, And there's something a bit saccharine about the whole thing. And I feel like we've got into a bit of that about how well we're coping with covid oh, you know, I really, I like, freaked out about it at the, at the beginning, but now I'm just like, actually, I'm really, you know, it's really fine. And then suddenly, like, you're here, like, because I see it as a bit of, like, the grief curve somehow, like you're dotting all over the place. So, like, you know, have those moments, and then the next minute you're slayed again. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's a bit of that I've been thinking I've been doing all right and then suddenly I had a bit of a crash. Hmm. So... that's where I'm at today a little bit of verbal diarrhea as well so I think maybe I need to actually speak to adults so it's really good that we're actually talking (laughs) to each other to be like therapy for me so yeah it normally is yeah and how are you Mandy
0: yeah I'm good yeah I had um as you know I had a migraine that put me to bed for the whole of Sunday um and yeah I mean I'm a bit better today and it was really good to have the day off <laughs> even though we don't get paid as like we're working all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, in our imaginary roles of high paying Um no, we are working towards the future, Kate. That's what we're, we're working on our doing, financial um, recovery. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, let's kind of dive in. Um so Shari, I know quite—you know—I've listened to a fair few podcasts and know a bit about your s- story, and um, and it's a really interesting story of recovery. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you could sort of explain to listeners what brought you to the decision to go alcohol-free and and what was a little bit of your story,
1: if you don't mind. You know, it's so long. I I, I drank for so long. <laughs> it's. You know, I I drank for over thirty five years, and so it's 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 quite a long and, and winding story. I think if I can kind of uh, summarize it for you, um, and just kind of fast forward to the final year, I think would, would probably make the most sense for me. Um, I had I had gotten to the point where I was no longer drinking for. Um, for pleasure I guess I was I was a solo drinker I um, drank in solitude I, I didn't drink with friends I didn't drink at social gatherings I had no social life so I, I was I was my my um, it was a long 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 binding road of addiction but that final year I think is was, was really dark for me. Um, and I I was having blackouts. I was having accidents. I was I was waking up, you know. At I I remember this 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 one particular time. I I woke up at my um mechanic shop, and I said, you know, something's wrong with my car. My, my my car is not running. It's not working right. And he was like, oh my gosh, Sherry, you've been in an accident. <laughs> It's like, what do you mean I've been in an accident? I just, I just pulled my car in here. And, and what had happened was I had blacked out. I, I had remembered leaving the house on my way to work. And I remembered being in my mechanic shop. But there was a gap of time where I had had an accident and, and had no recollection of it. And so that was kind of what the final year for me was looking like, was just a really, really, really dark place. And my drinking was out of control. Um, coupled with the fact that I was also on ambient and I had mm-hmm. mastered uh, this really cool way of um, shifting my prescriptions between a mom and pop pharmacy, which was still on paper charts and, and, and paper prescriptions, to one of the um, you know pharmacies that was up to date with all the electronic health records, and so I would and I would take a, a 30 day prescription that was supposed to last me 30 days and I was able to condense it down to 15 days because I would go between the two. And so I was just a hot mess. And so between the Ambien and the, and the alcohol life was just really, 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 really out of control for me.
0: Do you mind me asking why, why you got prescribed Ambien
1: in the first place? I couldn't sleep. Right. Right. I just I I can It's
0: a huge thing in America, right? It's yeah. not quite the same thing in we the were UK. We talking about like this, weren't we today? We yeah. were. Mm. So but it's like the the kind of the links of pres- prescription drugs and the drug addiction, you know, that starts with like, you know, something fr- prescribed from Mm-hmm. healthcare and then moves into something
1: darker right. is,
0: is very prevalent in the U.S. It's
1: very prevalent here. I I couldn't sleep. I had never been able to sleep, and obviously I couldn't sleep because I was drinking so much, right? And so mm-hmm. what, what starts with 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 alcohol being a, a depressant, you know, after a while, four hours of being blacked out, you immediately wake up. And so that was my routine. That was, was how it was affecting me, and so I used Ambien to be able to fall asleep. And it was just a, 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 a vicious cycle for me. Um, my, my doctor knew that I had sleeping problems, had no no, no difficulty um, in prescribing that for me, and um, but didn't know the other piece of it. And I think that that's what doctors miss because they're not really educated in addiction treatment had had she been maybe a little bit more knowledgeable in in the signs of what addiction looks like and 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 what alcohol what alcoholism looks like maybe she could have asked more questions but i think what happens is they just listen to the symptoms and then they prescribe right and so i was mm-hmm. i was in this vicious cycle of of taking ambien and and drinking and it was just a bad combination for me yeah um you know that was also in the backdrop of my father was terminally ill, and so I I knew again speaking to that that final year I knew that I had to get sober. I, I knew that if I didn't get sober, I probably wouldn't make it to the funeral, and so there was just this this nagging uh, task you know, of look, I've gotta quit drinking. I've gotta quit drinking. And I know I don't have a lot of time. I've gotta make this happen for myself. How is this, how is this gonna to, gonna to work out? And um I battled with it. I battled with it for all of 2014. Um until um I finally got sober on February t- Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2015 wow. is my sobriety date. And that's kinda of like an end to a uh a tragic love story, I guess, you know, I sobered up on, uh, on Valentine's day.
0: I mean, it's, oh, I wouldn't mind be interesting to sort of, I don't know, like kind of how did it start? I mean, cause all drinking stories start quite innocently, right? You know, we're just kind of, it, it's fun parties and well, I don't know. I mean, I'm presuming what, How old were you when you started drinking?
1: So, you know,
0: when did you see it progress? I
1: was about fourteen. I was about fourteen. You know, the thing is, in 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 my family, and I think in a lot of African American families, there is a certain celebratory feeling towards towards drinking and towards alcohol. It's a it is a legal way to wash away the woes or to celebrate your wins, you know? And, and so for me, um, you know, alcohol was, was, was just prevalent. And it's something that um, I saw at a very early age, not early, early, but in my teens, you know, I was, I was around my grandmother. My grandmother used to, uh, you know, she, she was kind of like the junction house and there was always a lot of activity going on there and, her friends would come by after hards day day of working and you know everybody's favorite drink was there. If, if you drank bourbon, the bourbon was there. If you drank whiskey, whiskey was there. If you drank beer, beer was there. If you were a wine drinker, and then that was their way of kind of having this this connection with one another. And so for me, very early on, alcohol signified not necessarily a way to numb out, but a way to connect. It was it, it was a way to it was a way to celebrate Um, and it was something that you did after a long day of, of working or a long week of working. And so I, I kind of learned early on that, that drinking was, it was a, it was a good thing. (laughs) You know, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was, it was a part of your life and it was a part of celebrating, um, you know, your wins. And so I started drinking early, probably by 14, I had my, my first drink, um, by my 20s, though, I was an alcoholic. You know, it, it didn't take long for me to start drinking, not only when I was winning, but I was drinking when I was losing. You know, I was drinking when I was depressed, I was drinking when I was confused. Drinking just kind of became my best friend. I've been painfully shy all my life, believe it or not. <laughs> um, you know, I'm. I'm I'm kind of um, an introvert. And so it was, it became a friend of mine very early on. It was me and alcohol. That was my buddy. And, um, you know, it just, it got progressively worse as I got older. Cause I drank more and more and more, you know, I went from drinking beers and wine coolers. Remember wine coolers? I don't know if oh, they had wine. <laughs> you know, wine coolers as a, as a late teenager, you know, that was the thing. And, Um, beer and you know I didn't start drinking heavy heavy stuff until maybe my late 20s but even then that's kind of early to start drinking you know brandy and vodka and gin and that kind of stuff but yeah it started early for me.
0: Yeah Yeah, it's interesting that you identified the shyness. Yeah
2: we've been talking about you know like as we've gone through um, sort of studying and working with our own journeys like and talking to people, there's all these pieces, these you know, these patchworks that we talk about and that that gets talked about, and she recovers as well. And you know, that whole shyness is a real big piece, isn't it? And then mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. the you know, celebration, commiseration, the, the you know, these external messages, and then there's the okay, when does it start? You know, this trajectory of when does it stop being that and become some that and you know, it's, it's, your story is so familiar to me. You know, I don't, you know, we've yeah. never met before, but it's like so many of the pieces that you're saying is like, yeah, I, re- I re- resonate with that shyness. I re- resonate with using it as a teenager. And then suddenly everything feels a bit more easy socially. And I remember a turn, you know, then there's obviously, the, you know, there's trauma pieces in there, aren't there, that, 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 that as life impacts us and can suddenly catapult, um, things with this, you know what were, were for me. Um, I don't know.
1: You know what, what? What's interesting for me also is is I was a gay teenager, right? And so, you know, I was a gay teenager back in the uh, late seventies, where I I didn't think there was anybody else out there like me. Right? I felt like, oh my god, who's who's out there? Like, who's gonna love me? Who am I gonna get in a relationship? With? What is this gonna look like? And and bars were really and probably even still so today, but especially back then, bars were really the only places where you could possibly, maybe, if you were lucky, find another gay person, right? And you know, there's there's such a huge relationship between alcohol and the gay experience um, that that was another thing that that really drove that that home for me by nineteen. But actually, by eighteen, I was sneaking into bars and um you know looking for my place, you know where's my place? Mm-hmm. where's my people um, you know where's my connection and and so I didn't see alcohol as a as a as a bad thing at all. I saw it as an opportunity you know it it helped me relax and then and 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 feel more at ease, but then it also opened up this new world that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. That I that I
0: didn't yeah, know had, existed. Um, yeah, we had um, the author of Straight Jacket. Um, his name's escaped Matthew me. Todd. It'll come back to me. Thank you, Matthew Todd, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he um, he was the editor in chief for one of the biggest kind of gay um, magazines in the UK, and his um, book is called Overcoming Gay Shame. And and it and it talks a lot about the, you know addiction within the, yeah. the gay community. Mm-hmm. From, I mean, he's a you know from a, a white male gay perspective, and you know we talked a lot about the nuances and how that can get even more kind of comp, complicated and the othering and 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 how it changes. But yeah, I mean, he was sort of expressing the same thing that for mm. many many people that it comes that part and of parcel being, of the positive experience,
2: experience of finding people that you you know like you say where where do I fit but that was a necessary Mm. part of it it was like you can't separate that out and how difficult is that it's um Mm. but that was really the only
1: that was really the only place where you could find it was the only place where you could congregate I mean I grew up in the in the era where if if you were a thumb ring a thumb ring meant you were gay you know people that wore silver were gay I mean there was there were all these different things that 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 folks thought categorized what gay people did, but bars were definitely the place where you could go and find a person that that was like you, you know. And so, yeah. it's interesting how that 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 just came forward for me. I don't think I've. It's it's interesting. I think mm-hmm. that's what I love about podcasting is depending on the <laughs> the the person that's interviewing you, they pull out different um, pieces of your story, right? Yeah, sure. They pull out different pieces of your story. That one is that I haven't really thought about that in a while.
0: Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I think certainly it's something for because what I mean, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the Black Lives Matters and what's been happening kind of globally at the moment. You know, obviously that's hugely impactful in in the states and in America. And I'd like to know a little bit about how that's you know kind of impacted on you, I suppose, in, in, in terms of a trauma sense. But what we've kind of been identifying is that, the, you know, people that have had an othered experience, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, because of your colour or your sexuality or because you're shy or because, you know, all these different things where we don't kind of fit the mould of the kind of white patriarchy, all those people kind of have a common denominator in a sense of 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 being susceptible to addiction mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and like and and you know for all trauma you know i, I have ptsd you know so mm-hmm. there's that or you've had kate's had adverse childhood experiences, and then you know device, and it's kind of
2: that, adhd yeah. uh, you know autism sensory processing issues that people kids get really marginalized in schools
0: there's a big addictive link there it's like it, it, yeah yeah but anyway yeah, and so, I mean, you know, not. I don't want to kind of, like, put... Obviously, to put everyone in, this, in the same kind of boat because it's not that at all, you know, but it is... I guess it's that empathetic link of, like, in some way, you know, the experiences that are outside of what we've grown up to be, you know, heteronormative white society mm. have an impactful experience on us. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for and sure. that's something that I think... For sure.
1: I mean, I I think we all have, it's it's our, it's our shared humanity, right. Mm And that we, that we all have, have that experience, Um, you know, speaking to the black lives matter that I, I am just grateful that I'm sober right now because, you know, I, I can remember um, when, you know, right, right. When it was on the cusp, it was pre black lives matter um, so pre Trayvon Martin, right. It was even before that when I was just heavy, heavy into drinking, I think I was, you know, Jen was it at, at that time. And I would spend hours and hours and hours watching the news and, 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 you know, it we'll start with my first drink. I'm, I'm very focused and I'm paying attention by the, by the fourth hour of news. I'm probably on my sixth or seventh cocktail and I'm screaming at the, <laughs> at the television, but, but there's, there's so much trauma there as an African American where you're, you're consistently grieving Mm. and um, you know, it's, it's painful. It's, it's, Mm. it's very painful to, to be consistently reminded of what's happening to your community on a regular basis. And so, when I first got sober, I stopped watching the news completely. Mm. I just I couldn't navigate the experiences um, without drinking over them. And so I I, I for the first mm. year I didn't in, in fact for the first year I didn't watch anything but Animal Planet. <laughs> that that was that was kind of my thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just I just,
1: needed, I just <laughs> I just really needed a break, right? Okay. Um, and it's interesting now to look at what's happening, and 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 I, and I say to my partner all the time, I'm so glad I'm sober because I remember, you know, watching the news and and just getting drunk over it day after day after day after day, mm-hmm. and now even now I I limit my exposure to it. And I think a lot of people don't understand that if if you're if you're black in America, you're living the experience, you're you're a part of the experience, and so. I don't necessarily want or need or look for the daily reminders. You know, I don't, I don't post, you know, every single, every single name hashtag. I just, I just don't have the energy for it. I don't, Mm. um, I just, I I really limit my exposure to it because we, we stay in a constant state of grief. We're constantly grieving. Um, there's never an opportunity to catch our, our breath and to heal. The wound is, is open. It's festering, yeah, and it's painful, and so um, I I, I really keep a certain, a a safe distance from. I don't inundate myself with all of the news,
0: Mm.
1: you know. So
0: yeah, I mean that's. I mean, how do you what? What self care practices do you hold? I mean, how do you keep yourself kind of sober and well throughout everything? Oh my goodness! Even if on the normal, you know, like. (laughs) normal day, but like, yeah,
1: I am a huge, huge chiropractor and uh, you know acupuncture fan, so you know that's 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 two of the things that I used to get so those those were two of the tools that I use, and I think because I have a tendency to hold everything in and I have a tendency to be really, really tense, I go to the chiropractor twice a week uh without fail, um I try to get um you know, acupuncture regularly. I haven't been in a while, and and I can I can feel the tension is building. But um, other than that, I, I I really limit my exposure to the news. Like I said, that's something that that I'm very intentional about. Um, just my environment. I I do my best to keep it neutral. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm I'm looking for 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 it to be really really neutral, really really calm, really really. Uh, clean in terms of 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 you know environmental um, stimulus. I'm I'm very 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 careful about who I let in. I I you know I gate myself in, and, and in that way I gate a lot out. In terms yeah. of of you know what I expose myself to, and you know other than that, you know just the self care of of like I said, the chiropractor. I, I get acupuncture. I used to get massages, but I haven't been able to do that. I just went back to my chiropractor. In fact, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you know, just just all things holistic, all things holistic. Do you know what
2: I, what's what I'm finding interesting? You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm sort of my brain's making all these connections, and I and I was thinking it's the stuff that you said about being a sensitive person, like you know, a highly sensitive, a shy person and you know how important that kind of gatekeeping is in terms of being able to uh, manage uh, stimulus is like very important for the nervous system. And the other thing was that considering that you were you know you were addicted, you got addicted to um, a med you know the pharmaceutical route from your from a GP like the Western medicine being pretty like a sledgehammer, that you've also found sort of recovery in finding sort of respectful ways to work with the body, uh, you know, mm-hmm. subtle, respectful, you know, like acupuncture yeah, it's sort of subtle but powerful, isn't it? So there's a – like it's like night and day almost in terms mm-hmm. of what the world chucks at you and then you go, hang on a minute, like once I start think, start listening in and I guess, you know, th- doing the recovery, I can hear – what what it is you know what I need
1: and it, it was, was often it was,
2: just the opposite of what we've been given
1: right <laughs> exactly it, it was the exact opposite I was I was detoxed by a by a I mean just a phenomenal um psychiatrist who was very holistic in, in his approach and and it was everything that he you know prescribed to me was was brand new hypnosis um it's theta healing, meditation, um, a raw diet. I mean, all of those things were kind of what what I was introduced to during the detox process. And so naturally, I mean, my body was like, whoa. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> where are we? You know, what are we doing? Where's our stimulus? You know, you know, prior to that I was watching the, you know, the, what, The Walking Dead on TV. You know, that was my oh, favorite. I love show. that right yeah me and too. i mean i would i mean but was, <laughs> that's a lot of stimuli right it's just a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of stimulus oh, when i when goodness. i decided to get sober i um like all of that i just had to eliminate all of it yeah yeah all of it had to go
2: yeah. it's like nervous system repairing the nervous it system is. isn't it mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. all of the stuff all about that and uh, I'm just amazed at how, how much this keeps coming up to me. This is like the stuff that just keeps shouting at me at the moment is all about, you know, that nervous system regulation, things that we aren't taught, you know, the, the vagal nerve, the, how to regul- re- regulate ourselves safely with people, looking after our sensory needs. Like no one, how many of us start drinking as teenagers? Overwhelmed, anxious, anxious not able to cope with all of the stuff that's coming in and that we you know and oh. how important and and that because it it sort of occurred to me as well because you said you started drinking early and in England the age to drink the legal age is earlier than the states isn't it so you were quite early i guess by american standards because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like 21 isn't it so
1: it's 21 here and i was i was drinking by 14 15 mm-hmm. I
2: was thinking badly. Yeah, I mean, 14 in that, yeah, that's quite normal. It's normal in, normal in the UK, UK, that, that, that. Oh, wow. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was 15, you were like 11, weren't you, Mand? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Did you always bring that up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> she was more of um, a bad
0: girl than you were. Yeah, she was <laughs> 11 years old. No, no shaving um, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did, but I was extremely curious and, like and I just and really bored and I think I did have that kind of you know I've never been diagnosed with ADHD or any kind of neurodiversity but you know even seeing when we met you know I was jumping all over the place like (laughs) I am actually quite shy but like it's that nervous kind of energy of like and and I didn't know how to contain myself and I got in a lot of trouble at school and I just couldn't sit still and you know and so yeah I mean I searched out kind of drugs and alcohol by the age of 12 just kind of that was my thing Mm -hmm. you know um, just to kind of level me out, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, self-medicating really. Um, and yeah. And so can you tell us, cause the, the, the person that you know, you detox with, can you explain a little bit how that happened? Cause it's a wonderful kind of story.
1: You know, I was, I was, I was, I was on a, like a three week, three off binge. And so I would work for three weeks and then I binge for three weeks. It was, it was just awful. And my parents were, were concerned and, um, I, um, was visiting my mom one day and she said, you know, I, I, I gotta tell you something. I I can't breathe. It's weird for for me to say those words even now, but she said, you know, your, your drinking is literally taking my breath because I, I'm worried. I'm fearful. I never know if I'm going to get a phone call. And I was working for my dad at the time. And he said, listen, kiddo, you know, if, if you don't quit drinking, you, know, you either, I'm, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> I was like, you're going to what? You're going to fire me. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to fire you because you're not coming to work. And I wasn't. You know, I would be gone for three weeks at a time. And um, Dr. Greer, um, Dr. William H. Greer, I want to say his full name, um, was a family friend. And they said, yeah, you can go to Dr. Greer. We've talked to him. He's, he's said that you can come and hang out there. Or um, you can go to Dr. Brown. And I didn't want to go to Dr. Brown. And so I said, well, I'll go to Dr. Greer's house. And I'll never forget, my mom came and she picked me up that day. And I mean, I had packed my bags. Oh, my goodness. I had... Um, Beef jerky. I had M and M's, Skittles. I mean, just tons of candy. Now and later, it's just all the stuff I thought I would need. Red vines, just a, a suitcase full of sugar. And we get there, and we're talking, and you know, he just says, "Oh, you know, by the way, um, we're vegan." And you know, I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, shit. You know, that's that's cool. I can deal with vegan." And he said, "Oh, and by the way, we're raw." And I'm like, well, what's that? <laughs> you know, I mean, what does it mean to be raw? And he just he just breaks it down. He's like, you know, there's there's no sugar, you know, there's no coffee, there's none of this. And you know, I you know, I'm even thinking back now. I Just think, I was I was just panicked. You know, I said, well, can I? You know, I have all this candy. Can I have this last little bit of um, these M Ms? And you know, he said, yeah, of course, you can go ahead and have those M Ms. I ate them right away, but. You know, the process was he would I would go to him and I didn't get sober the first time. It took it took several, several times. But you know, in that in that first time, I I was really excited and I told him, I said, You know, doctor, I'm just so grateful that I'm here and you're gonna teach me how to get sober and this is gonna be great. And he's like, No, no, I'm not I'm not that's not what I do. He was offended. So I'm not gonna teach you how to get sober. You know, I'm going to teach you how to understand the meaning of life and how meaningful life can or cannot be if you continue to drink. And that was the the beginning of our relationship. I learned so much from him and and, and that was how we did it. I would go and I'd stay seven, seven days. That was the limit. He'd only let me stay seven days. And he detoxed me and tons of supplements, tons of tonics and, you know, just all raw food. And then he'd say, OK, go home. And practice what you've learned, and I'd go home, and you know, sometimes I'd stay sober for a month, six weeks. I'd relapse, and he'd say, "Well, come on back, you know, and um, we'll do it again." And each time, each time, I learned something different. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same thing. But it took probably about maybe a year and a half of me doing that, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with doctor and his wife. And um, when I finally sobered up, I actually did it on my own. And I think that's how he probably planned it. You know, it was mm-hmm. something that I would do on my own for myself. I, mean, I knew how to go get my own supplements. I knew how to eat raw. I knew how to find my own chiropractor and um, all of that stuff. And, um, yeah, that's how, it, that's how it happened for me. It was, it was just I was his last patient you know he was 88 years old at the time and and still just really really sharp and um he saved my life so yeah.
0: yeah it just blows my mind it's just like you know that's it's such a lesson to recovery in general and just you know the treatment centers and what's going these kind of factories we put people through that just don't are not helping, and you know, and then there's this whole other way. There's a, looking at things. I just find it fascinating.
1: There's a whole other way, and I think also the way we look at relapse has to change. And so, what doctor mm. understood was that relapse was part of the process. And it, it, so I don't even, I don't even like the word relapse. I, 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 I replace it no, with I the don't. word lessons. Each time you're learning something different, and each time I, I would go out and practice. like He said, "Go out and practice what you've learned." I would always learn something different even though I returned to drinking, I would always learn something different. What was it that needed to shift? What was it that needed to change for me? Um, it was all, you know, there was always something. So,
2: And I guess it's that thing, isn't it, as well, that I think if you're on that holistic inquiry and that journey, it, it can't be that one size fits all. It's got to feel authentic. It's got to have that. That truth and that seed of like, yeah, that it really is for me, and it really is my truth. Mm-hmm. It's got, mm-hmm. it's got to be that, right? And um, and maybe he understood that with the the mm. that he kept the door open, and you, that you know that's that compassion, isn't it? That that people, you give them a bit, you give them the space, you give them the tools, but that 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 seed and that truth really has to, because otherwise that's it's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> he was. He was. He was...
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah, you... I don't, I don't know, because I've obviously heard your story before, but you lost, you know, incredibly close people to you in quick succession in mm-hmm. your first year, right? I did. Sobriety, so...
1: I did. <laughs> you know. It was... It, I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, I, I I buried six people that first year. And I, I just remember thinking, God, you have got to fucking be kidding me. <laughs> 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 like, hearing, me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you are not serious right now. And, um, you know, I think, you know, obviously with my father, I knew because he was terminal. And so I knew that that was coming. But the other ones were, were 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 very um unexpected, and doctors was very unexpected. I wasn't expecting it as a matter of fact, I was banking on the fact that it wasn't going to happen um, you know, but it did and um I stayed sober through it and so I think in 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 a lot of ways it, if it that year kind of cemented my sobriety, there was like mm-hmm. nothing. That can compare to that first year, and so I just, I just don't even, I don't even let stuff phase me at this point. Not, not, not in terms of questioning my whether or not I'm going to stay sober over it. There's things that happen, but I think in in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for my first year being the way that it was because it's, Mm. it, it proved to me that you can do hard things.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I I was going to say. So, yeah, yeah, like I um, I lost my sister-in-law, um, it was my second year, and um, yeah, I mean, it's like going through grief, but there was something about it for me um, that w- it, it it was like, if you've done some kind of work over medicate, you know, and understanding that you medicate in those emotions there's nothing that's gonna you can't drink away grief right it, it right. doesn't work it's just never gonna work so it's a re- it's almost like okay that is that there you go oh okay that's really really so it's like it it it, it, it gives you that really extreme example somehow doesn't it I don't know that's the for mm-hmm. me it, it was like because like, people say to you, God, that must be really difficult. How did you cope? And, like, you know, funerals I find really, really, really fucking traumatic. But part of it was, like, I felt like I was honouring. Yes. The, like, I want to – if I was allowed to grieve, I wouldn't find them half as traumatic because I want to lie down on the floor, scream and shout, wave. Like, I wanted to properly lose my shit and wail. And it was not being able to – honestly honestly grieve that made it so difficult right
0: yeah but it wasn't not drinking it wasn't not drinking it was like
2: that that's like I need to wail like a freaking animal um Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so there was something very clear I don't know sorry I'm really rambling on and it's like your story but that I there's something again that is resonating with me about okay when those things come it's like
0: it's your anchor yeah it's an
2: anchor and it's like the gift it's like it's like i i need this so that i can deal with that it's not like i'm gonna do that to get rid of that sort of thing right i don't know
1: it makes sense it makes perfect sense
2: it makes perfect sense um i was gonna ask a question i was gonna ask you what then you know because there's been quite you know like your journey a lot of parts to it and that first year yeah it sounds like an unholy amount of stuff what you know and thank you for kind of coming on and talking you know talking so openly about it because I think there's still a long way to go in terms of us being able to talk about difficult stuff but I I'd like to know what are your the most beautiful gifts I guess sobriety and recovery has given you
1: Hmm. I like that question (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think the most beautiful gift that uh, sobriety has given me, and I think we talked about it before we actually came on live, is joy, and also love. Um, I'm in my first sober relationship, so oh. it's, which has which has been amazing and and you know joy filled. I think when when you're when you're constantly medicating yourself. I mean, you know, I've medicated myself daily. So I really wasn't um, connecting. I really wasn't connecting. I was just numbing. There was no connection for me. And so I think being able to find joy in simple things, it took a while. It didn't happen at first. Like for a while, I couldn't find joy in a sunset. You know, I wasn't I was like, that's not there's nothing special about that. <laughs> <I laughs> <Right? got it. laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's nothing special yeah, about pecs. it. Yeah. There was nothing special about hearing the birds chirp in the morning. Like, oh fuck, it's another day. Like there was nothing special about that. Yeah. But there's something that happens when you when you get sober and you've been sober for a while, and you recognize that I'm alert in the morning, and damn it, those birds sound good. Right. Like it takes a mm. while to click or it takes a while to really stop and witness a beautiful sunset. And so I think those were the things that came back that that are really even meaningful today. That it's just that joy. Mm. It's the joy. Yeah,
0: I love that. Mm. And um, so tell us a little bit about. So you're a coach. We're all she recovers designated coaches and you you coach people served up sober You've got the women of color support group as well. Tell us a little bit about your work and what you do, please.
1: So served up sober, I mean that's my baby. You know that's that's my baby. Um I haven't it's it has changed and, and grown over the three years that uh I've been working it. it 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 wasn't it didn't start where it is now, where we are exclusively for for no, I, can, I guess I shouldn't say exclusively, but um, our 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 focus is women of color, and 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 that's really what the goal is 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 to offer these holistic services to marginalized communities, and 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 to show that that there is an alternative way to support your recovery. There's a different way to even recover if you want to look at this this option of of holistic healing, and so. You know, be, you know, pre-COVID, before COVID, we would do these um, events. We'd have um, meditation. We had acupuncture, community acupuncture, where an acupuncture would come in and she would give, you know, acupuncture to the group. We do sound healing. Um, we had yoga, restorative eating classes, exercise um, instruction, and not exercise as in movement, but exercise as in mental understanding mentally what's blocking you from, from exercising. And so all of that was happening. We probably had about um, between 14 and 16 events a month. Um, And then COVID hit. Right. (laughs) And um, now everything is virtual and we couldn't, you know, most of what we were doing couldn't translate virtually. We were able to still do the meditation. We're able to still do the support group. Um, we did do um, an uh, an eating workshop a couple of weeks ago that was really really successful, um, but we're we're itching to get back back to it. You know, we're itching to get back to where we can do things face to face in real life with people. But that probably won't happen until 2021. We're, we're probably right. virtual for the rest of the year. Um, so that that served um, the support group. Is is growing. I think that's really my baby right now. Is is recognizing that African American women need a place to call home. Right. We we need a place um, where we can go and meet in the rooms and and see one another and hear one another and and and, and recognize a familiar face. And so you know, being able to nurture. Um, our support group—it's—it's—it's it's, it's called the support group you never knew you could have, and um, it's called that because as women were were joining and coming and, and sharing their their thoughts on Saturday afternoons, they would all say, "Oh my God, I never thought that were, this group existed. Where has this <laughs> yeah. group been? This is what we need." And so that's the name of it, and it's it's growing, and that's really where I'm really trying to. To get the word out, I love that it's international. I mean, we have people from the UK that are that are on on Saturdays. People from Canada. Oh, amazing! Um, we had a person from Yemen that was there, and so it's it's kind of grown outside of San Diego, which is phenomenal. And that's really what I'm focusing mm. on right now. Mm, and
0: so that's fantastic. on Facebook,
1: is it? Mm-hmm. So the group we have a private Facebook group on Facebook. Um, and then you can sign up to join the, um, the group it's, it's through Eventbrite. I usually will promote it on Instagram. I, uh, you know, I'm, 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 always on the gram, Mandy, you know that. So, yeah. um.
0: but the thing is with the algorithms, I don't see people anymore. Like when we first started connecting and there was this little group of us kind of, she recovered type people. And I would always see you and I would always see like, um, people, I don't even remember their names anymore because I don't see them. Like, i see Sarah. Like, I haven't seen Sarah in so mm-hmm. long. Just Sarah, Kristen, kind
1: of Kristen, yes. Lara. And, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. changed for us. Yeah. It's changed. Yeah.
0: And so now I have to really kind of, like, yeah, sort of go on and scroll through all the things I don't want to see or, like, actively go and look for, yeah, people that I, I really want to see. But, I mean, it's still an amazing resource, but... It, it's changed.
1: It's changed. Yeah. It's, it's lost a little bit of its sheen, a little bit. That's
2: how you fitness, isn't yeah. it, That's
1: not quite the same. Yeah. It
0: is, yeah, because it was hugely important for me because, I mean, talking about kind of, you know, the journey, as it were, and, you know, lessons, I mean, both Kate and I did a year sober and then went back to drinking and then got sober again. So certainly, I mean, you know, I've been within the sober community since 2012 2013 yeah Mm -hmm. um you know and i my sober date's like 2017 yeah so you know it's taken a bit of time to get there um and uh, yes lots of lessons um and i i mean we both kate and i we met on a a sober forum called soberistas which is an anonymous forum majoritively which is amazing. Um, But it's kind of like there's only so many times you can go back and say, it's me again. I mean, it, it was obviously I could, but there was a moment where I was just like, I can't like go back and sort of I've been missing for another four months or whatever and come back and be like, hey, it's me again. So I needed something else. And that's when I started my Instagram. And also I kind of felt like I needed that accountability and and I wanted to make friends because that was anonymous. I, re- I wanted to actually go, right, I'm doing this and this is my life. Mm-hmm. And Instagram in the be- beginning was, I mean, that's what kept me sober and and meeting people and finding she recovers. And, you know, because, I mean, my drinking was, uh, well, for everyone, I think it's very much symptomatic of other experiences Absolutely. that are going on and things that have Im- impacted on you. So to be able to find a community where it was like we're all recovering from something – You know, when I came to L.A., it was like, oh, actually, like, you know, I'm not a recovering alcoholic. It's just not a label that fits me. But I am recovering from trauma and, you know, sexual violence and, you know, my childhood and all these Mm -hmm. sort of things. So, I mean, that it changed everything for me. And so I do. Yeah, I do. And even now it's 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 hard to like I love it as a kind of space for activism. Like I know it works to send a message out to people. And for social media, you know, I do think it has good, but it's hard at the moment to see not performatism, if that's a word.
2: But just a lot <laughs> there's of there's a lot of noise, noise that's, at the that's moment. there is yeah. a lot
1: of noise. It's,
2: it's good time to do the news fast, right? To to just watch yeah. the planet. What did you used yeah. to watch? Animal Planet. Should yeah, we just watch planet. Animal That's Planet it. again for a month? <laughs> I'm on there with
0: you. I'm going to do that. Well, Kate, you got so you always say that you got sober watching Dallas, didn't you? And I got, I got sober watching Downton Abbey. So, yeah. Did you ever watch Dallas
2: when you were a kid? Like, was it a big? <laughs> I,
0: like,
1: I did. It was... It was Dallas, and um, there was another one. What was it called? Dynasty. Dynasty came after Dallas. Yeah.
2: Knots Landing. Dynasty. Yep. Dallas.
1: Knots Landing. Dynasty and so Dallas. The last year that I was
2: sober, <laughs> I discovered like there were reruns right from the beginning, like 1972 or something like that of Dallas, and I watched it oh religiously goodness. every night. I would just watch one episode all the way through and I was like yeah it literally was the thing <laughs> it's got me so fun. Oh my as well as the sober forum obviously it was a pretty yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and me I got yeah I, I I watched the whole of Downton Abbey yeah that was my thing every get in bed but you watch know Downton, what I love oh, about wow. that whole kind
2: of you know you said you know that every, we're all recovering from something and I really laughed when I heard that. I don't know why. It just, I think it was my British sense of humour, just was like, ain't that the truth? And then I was like, yeah, that really is the truth. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me actually that year of grief because I was, at that point, it didn't feel that I was recovering from alcohol, but I knew that I was in some kind of recovery process from grief. And prior to that, in just the sober sphere, it was like, well, there was just this, right, well, alcoholic, non-alcoholic thing. And there wasn't this wider conversation about, well, let's look at the nuances then. Let's look at, okay, let's look at the healing of that. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate that as well as Dawn and Taryn and just that, you know, the wisdom of all of that, really. The truth of it. I mean. They're it's phenomenal, truth. though.
1: They have a phenomenal platform. I was chatting with them yesterday and 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 just their I mean just the love that they're pouring into the community and creating these and creating the space for people to feel safe with their stuff, mm-hmm. to bring their stuff in and and to and to and to leave it there, I think they've just really created something special for all of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels a huge privilege to be
1: involved. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, we should probably talk all night too, Um, Sherry. We always
1: always... (laughs) could. Likewise, it's been fun. It's been fun.
0: (laughs) Um, We always finish with um, your tip of the day and um, your reasons to love sober.
1: My tip of the day, you know, I actually wrote it down. It's actually my quote on Instagram today, which is, um, you know. In, in my intimate relationships, I'm monogamous, right? But in life, I get to play the field. <laughs> and I was talking to um, someone this morning and we were talking about how sometimes we can get stuck in our life and we're, we're fearful. We don't want to pivot. We don't want to change our mind. We don't want to try something new. We're afraid to let go of what's familiar. And we were just having this conversation about choices and how we get to change our mind. We get to try different things. We get to make choices for ourselves, even on an, even on a dime, we don't have to overthink every little thing. So I think, I mean, I'm learning how to be better at that. And if, if I could give a tip, the tip would be in life. We get to play the field. You know, we, we get to try different stuff and, and, and be excited about it and not be married to any one thing all of the time. All of the time, when you love it that's my tip of the day and what's your reason to love sober what's my reason to love being sober? Yeah, um I think it just goes back to connecting. it goes back to um, you know sober has has opened has opened life up for me. It's it's literally opened it up to to experiences, to people, to connection. And um, that's probably my it's probably the most meaningful thing that it's given me. It's just my connection back to humanity. Yeah. I mean look at us connecting true. across. Yeah. yeah, I
0: know. Three the countries. How do right? you look into Europe?
1: I have um, when I was little, so it doesn't count because I couldn't do anything. I was like eight. So, Mm. Where did you go? Um, We went to London. We went to uh, Paris. We went to Vienna. Um, My my dad was on, it was like a conference. He was kind of bouncing around from country to country. We weren't really in any one space too long. Went to Jerusalem. We just kind of had a little general conference trip. And I spent the whole time looking for a McDonald's. I mean, I was like, You're right. I'm, I'm sure you found them.
0: They're bloody everywhere, aren't
1: they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a long I time there's ago. More,
0: there's more in. Don't worry. I mean, I did the same thing when I went to Paris. I was like, I want to go to McDonald's in Paris. So mm-hmm. it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks so much, um, Kate. Yeah, it was just so up?
2: lovely to meet you, Shari. Thank you again. So.
1: Yes, Thank you. it's good to be with you.
2: And hopefully maybe we'll meet Thanks each for having other me. at uh, She Recovers 2021.
1: Mm-hmm, That'd be, yes. that would be awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah. Let's let's be awesome. that. That's, that's <laughs> okay, so one. if you're yeah. immediately concerned about your drinking, um, you can send up a flare to us at info at lovesober.com. Um, so Baristas has an anonymous Ask the Doctor service as we were speaking today. It's uh, an anonymous platform. Obviously there's like, lots of groups on, um, on Facebook now. Um, she Recovers group and check out Sherry, Sherry's stuff as well. We'll put all the links to her, her fabulous platform and, and how she works as well. Um, and just really reach out. Don't feel like you've got to do it alone because you certainly don't. Just reach out, reach out, send up a flare, and as Sherry just said, get connected. Yeah, we love to hear from you, and uh, stay safe. And we'll speak to you next week.